Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The ground rumbles as it moves through the trees, shooting like a rocket back to its home. I can see its bulk from the dirt road I'm driving on. But what concerns me more at the moment is the black smoke rising from the shallow valley ahead. The road dead ends at a small ridge overlooking a highway. I park and step out of the Jeep, looking down at the chaotic scene there. I already know what I'll see, but that doesn't make it any easier. I lean heavily against the vehicle as I look down on the highway. Screams reach my ears as black smoke from a flaming semi-truck reaches for the stratosphere. The smoke stands out, marring the cloud-scattered afternoon sky. A man crawls from his overturned car, dragging his mangled legs behind him. A woman tries to pull her husband out of smoldering wreckage. A teenager stands beside his car, looking at his friend's head where it sticks out of a bloody hole in the windshield. I can't even count how many cars have wrecked on the busy rural highway. Some of them are so entwined, it's hard to tell whether there are one or two vehicles. Other people, lucky people, get out of their cars back behind the swath of wreckage, phones pressed to their ears. What the hell was that thing? One man yells at another. Did you see that? I saw it, but I don't know what the fuck it was. Another man yells back. Good God, I think, surveying the carnage. What have we done? You ready for this? I asked Tim as we stood back from the rest of the team in the shade of the tall pine, fir, and spruce trees. Of course, Tim said, scoffing. I was born ready. I could tell Tim was nervous. I'd known him my whole life. He was my younger cousin. Both our fathers worked for the foundation starting off in security just like us. Now they were working cushy desk jobs, something that Tim and I couldn't imagine. We loved being out in the field. At least, I did. Tim said he did, but I got the feeling he was always nervous, always wishing to be somewhere else. Tim had just turned 21, whereas I was 29. I felt it was my duty to look out for him. Actually, my dad had told me in no uncertain terms that it was my duty. For a couple of years there, as Tim matured, I didn't think he'd go for the foundation job. He was a quiet, shy kid. His blonde hair, freckled cheeks, and short stature made him look even younger than he was. I think this was part of his reason for joining the foundation. He wanted to prove himself. Plus, I knew that my uncle, his dad, was putting pressure on him to join as his 21st birthday approached just like my dad had done when I was that age. I smiled, smacking him on his armor-covered shoulder. 
All right, I'm headed over. Make good decisions, I said, half joking. I headed toward my Jeep, moving around the wood and metal barrier Tim and I had just helped put up around the large hole in the ground. The other security officers and researchers headed to their positions. The barrier was meant to keep SCP-2141-1 from moving far. Although the anomalous creature looked like a woman, it was anything but. The working theory at the time was that SCP-2141, what we just called the worm, had commandeered a local woman for gestation purposes. It would send the woman out of a large hole in the ground to seek out suitable location for the worm's offspring. We assumed that if she found a good location, she had the ability to deposit the young there. Well, we couldn't let that happen. We'd effectively contained the worm in a large tract of foundation-procured woods near the Adirondack Mountains. But if it was about to spawn new worms outside of the containment zone, we had to do something. So newly promoted provisional site administrator Leonard suggested building a barrier. The brass approved it. The only time we'd seen the woman who was no longer a woman come out of the hole, she moved along the ground like a worm, her bloated body seeming to defy physics as she slithered along the ground, leaving behind a trail of slime secreted from her body. Leonard ordered us to incapacitate the woman that first time. She wanted to see if the woman was carrying the worm's offspring, but it didn't work out well. The worm came out of the hole just after we'd incapacitated the worm woman. It was the first time I'd seen the worm, and I had trouble taking my eyes off it. It was larger than the hole it came out of. Each segment of its dark, slimy body seemed to expand upon leaving the hole, like a spatial anomaly. Once out in the open, it was over 20 feet in diameter, and it moved fast. Somehow, it had sensed that we were messing with the woman, so it shot out of its hole to retrieve her. Luckily, Leonard had foreseen this possibility, telling us to hang back to see if the worm would, in fact, come get the woman. Thank God we weren't in the middle of capturing her. We would have been killed. I was off to the side of the hole when it happened, and I didn't ever see an end to the worm. It just kept coming out. Then it grabbed the woman up with some kind of mouth appendage, and they went back down into the dark hole. So Leonard came up with the barrier idea, thinking we could stop the woman long enough to take a sample or study her or even just capture her altogether and get her out of there so we could figure out more about the creature. The idea was that we'd first see how she reacted to the barrier and revise our plans from there. 15 of us, including Leonard, were on site just after we got the barrier up. There was some kind of interference when we were close to the hole so we couldn't use our radios or video recording devices. There were a couple of drones overhead shooting video, but we couldn't watch the transmissions within 50 meters of the hole, thanks to the interference. So my job, if either the woman or the worm escaped beyond the barrier, was to hop in my Jeep and get beyond the 50 meter perimeter to see if I could follow them, using the drone footage to help. I hoped it wouldn't come to that. Everyone was on edge because this was a new SCP. We didn't really know what it was capable of. So after the barrier was up, I moved off toward my Jeep, but stayed within sight of the hole and the barrier, just in case they needed my help. The security officers and researchers split into different groups. One group was right up next to the barrier, 
Another was about 50 yards beyond the barrier. A third group was even further back. Tim was part of this last group, standing with three other security officers and one researcher, ready for action. Exactly six minutes after we finished putting up the containment barrier around the hole, the worm woman emerged. But she didn't emerge within the barrier. She came out of the ground on the other side of it, moving incredibly fast, right toward Tim's security team. Shouts rang out. Chief among them was Leonard, telling the officers to shoot the woman with the rubber bullets. The worm woman picked up speed fast, diving in and out of the ground like it was made of water. She moved in a blur, and I knew that she would be nearly impossible to hit. So I yelled for Tim to move, but he didn't. He stood there with the other three security guys, right in her path, firing his rubber bullets. She was moving so fast when she hit them that I knew immediately they were dead. It was like they were standing in the middle of a highway and a car had hit them going 200 miles an hour. Body parts flew as though riding the wave of an explosion. I couldn't tell which parts were Tim's and which ones belonged to the three other security officers. It didn't matter. My training kicked in and I jumped into the Jeep, firing it up and taking off down the dirt road. I tried to follow the movements with my eyes as long as I could, but she quickly got ahead of me. As soon as I got 50 meters away from the hole, I picked up the tablet from the passenger seat and looked at the drone footage. Both drones were following her progress, presenting me with a split screen. One of them kept a wide shot and the other was zoomed in, staying with the warm woman as she emerged from the ground like a dolphin riding the waves of a boat. On the wide shot, I saw that she was headed straight for a highway. Oh shit, I said to myself, taking my foot off the pedal to slow down. She was too fast, I couldn't keep up. Besides, I knew that the road dead-ended at a ridge up ahead. We hadn't thought she would be able to move so fast. It defied physics and logic. But seeing is believing. And I watched on the tablet as she approached the highway, hoping beyond hope that she would just dig under the roadway or go a different direction. Anything to avoid all those people. She didn't. She emerged from the ground, leaping up over the roadway just as a tanker truck was passing. It was like watching a bomb go off in the cab of the semi as she hit it. I knew the driver had died instantly. The back of the truck whipped around into the next lane, smashing into a minivan there before skidding on its tires and flipping onto its side. Drivers on the road behind it slammed on their brakes, but it all happened so fast they never had a chance. Tires left streaks of black rubber on the gray asphalt as the vehicles tried to stop before crashing into the overturned tanker. The pileup grew, each new car adding more death and injury and mayhem. One driver jerked left, rolling across the grassy median and into oncoming traffic. The head-on collision that followed sent at least one person flying through the windshield like a rag doll. Another chaotic chain reaction followed as cars in the other lanes piled up in a series of crashes. I looked up from the tablet and realized I was still moving in the Jeep and I was about to run off the road. I corrected the vehicle and pressed my foot on the gas again. I needed to get there, I needed to help. But a strange vibration caught my attention. It was growing, like an earthquake working up to maximum destruction. Movement in the woods to my left caught my eye. I looked over to see the massive worm shooting through the woods, knocking the occasional tree down and flattening bushes as it moved, going nearly as fast as the woman had, occasionally diving into and out of the ground. 
I slowed again and watched the tablet, seeing the head of the worm burst out of the trees at the edge of the highway and smash into the wreckage of the tanker. The close-up drone zoomed in as the worm scooped up the woman, whose legs had been amputated in the collision with the truck. Then, as fast as the worm came, it left, pulling itself back into its hole like a stretched rubber band snapping back into place. The wide-shot drone went even wider, and I could see no end to the worm. It stretched out from the hole all the way to the highway, which was over a mile in distance. I threw the tablet down and concentrated on driving as the worm shot back through the woods to my left. I soon parked the Jeep and looked down at the destruction. Good God, what have we done? I thought. I make my way down the slope toward the highway, determined to help the injured. Maybe I'll save some lives. I try not to think about Tim, and I try not to think about how the hell we're going to cover this up. So many people saw the worm. Some of them probably have footage of it. And as I help to pull a woman from a flaming car, I wonder how the hell we'll be able to contain such a thing. Whatever we do, we can't let it reproduce. A species like that could take over the world. It could kill us all if we're not careful. SCP-2141 is an immense earthworm-like creature located within a derelict tunnel near the Adirondack Mountains. SCP-2141's dimensions exceed the dimensions of the tunnel with an average diameter of 8.5 meters and a currently undefined length. It is theorized that SCP-2141 is a spatial anomaly able to condense its body while within the tunnel in order to compensate for its massive size. SCP-2141 emerges approximately every 18 days, depositing SCP-2141-1 beyond the tunnel. SCP-2141-1 is a disfigured female humanoid believed to be a mutation of the body of a local woman after extensive exposure to SCP-2141. Its prominent features include a severely bloated abdomen as well as a viscous coating of pale yellow fluid. This fluid helps the anomaly move and bestows it with increased resistance to physical trauma, allowing the anomaly in one event to survive and make limited recovery from lower body amputation. SCP-2141-1 is hypothesized to be a gestational nesting probe used to discover suitable habitats for the birth of SCP-2141's offspring. Consequently, the SCP is fiercely protective of SCP-2141-1 and will immediately pursue it if incapacitated. In rare circumstances, SCP-2141-1 has been known to emulate the behavior of SCP-2141, such as its velocity and tendency to momentarily delve underground. <laughs>